Jesus stories. Join us around the burning bush campfire as we listen to the Holy Spirit speak through others and into us. Lord, prepare our hearts as we have come to be filled by you. Ignite us like only you can. My name is Crystal Holland. I'm 40 years old, and this is my story. Um, I've been married for 21 years. I say only happily the last four or five because 16 years of my marriage was spent in addiction, and my husband was also in addiction. I have three children, um, 23, 20, and the uh, youngest is going to be a senior this year. And so I'm just now getting um, restoration in those relationships. But when I like to tell my story, you know, you start from the beginning and go on because everything happens for a reason in life and for a long time in my life i didn't understand what that reasons were so when i was younger my mom um she had me when she was 16 years old and um for the first probably eight years of my life my parents were divorced my mom again was very young and i spent a lot of time with family members back and forth um, over the weekends and as a result um I suffered a lot of sexual trauma as a child. And by the time I was eight years old, I had developed um, a disorder called trichotillomania, which was I would pull my eyelashes out, my eyebrows out. Um, I was that child in school that was always at the back of the room, turned around facing the wall um, before ADHD or anything was diagnosed. Um, you know, I would just have talks too much on the report card. Um, I was told I couldn't read, but I was also legally blind and they hadn't diagnosed that yet. And so I had a lot of troubles in school um, dealing with the um, the trauma and the abuse. And then again, um, problems in school were, I guess, through the fifth grade, um, a lot of my biggest problems um, in general. Um, when I finally did get glasses, I realized I fell in love with reading and I probably read every book that there was imaginable. So like Babysitter's Club, um, Sweet Valley High, you name it. I read it. Uh, Boxcar Children. And I still remember all those books. They're precious to me. Um, and so I started doing better in school. But when I got into about seventh grade, I was that awkward child. Um, again, I want to back up and say that um, everything that happened to me sexually was uh swept under the rug by my family, which normally happens in a lot of different cases. And so when I got to seventh grade, I was that awkward child. I had that really short Dorothy Hamill haircut. I had glasses. I had braces. Um, I wanted to people please. I tried to, you know, exude myself into sports, you name it. Um, I wanted to do it just to kind of take my mind off of actually feeling. I went to church a lot as a child. Um, my grandma was one denomination. My aunt was another. So I was shuffled back and forth between different churches and I got a taste of religion. I'm not going to say I got an actual relationship with Jesus at that time. I went to church camps. I got baptized. You know, it was a blast, but then I would come home to regular home life. My parents did not go to church. And so I modeled off of what they were doing versus what, you know, my grandmothers, my aunts, everyone else was trying to do for me, which looking back now, I really appreciate that. And I think it played a big part in um, where I am today, but 
you know, after seventh, eighth grade, um, I got into high school. I was younger than most of the kids in high school. You know, I turned 14 going into ninth grade and it was not through 12th grade altogether. And so I really struggled on where I fit in. I didn't fit in with the basketball group that I played with. Um, I just, I felt less than in every single social circle that I was involved in. Um, and then as a result, I looked to fill that hole in my soul with things of the world. I started experimenting with drugs and alcohol and promiscuity. And between the um, age of 14 to 18, I was in and out of every single psychiatric hospital that you can imagine. I was diagnosed with borderline personality disorder, depression, anxiety, OCD, ADD, um, you name it. They started prescribing me a lot of different medications, which on top of the drugs and everything else just was a recipe for disaster. Um, every time I would go to counseling and then the issue of the sexual trauma would be brought up, um, I was pulled out very quickly. My family didn't want to address that. So deep down at the core, I know now that that was the issue. But um, when I was 17, I got pregnant with my first son. I did manage to graduate high school on time. Um, but very quickly, I, I developed a relationship with methamphetamine because it made me feel good about myself. Um, I was a baby trying to raise a baby. Uh, my family was not in a position where they could help me. And it was basically, you're on your own. And so I lost my son to DHS um, when he was about six weeks old. Um, my, he, I tested positive for, for drugs and I learned how to manipulate the system at that point in my life. Um, DHS, the court system, everything, and um, how to mask everything that I was going through. Even when I was on drugs, I tried to hide it very, very well. Um, and I fooled a lot of people for a lot of years. Um, I met my husband shortly after that. He had just gotten released from prison and I was pregnant with my second child within three months of meeting him. And so we just kind of entered into this world whirlwind relationship and kind of had a trauma bond together right off the rip um, with that. And so the next probably 16 years, um, it was a roller coaster for me. Uh, off and on the psychiatric medications, um, you know, the drugs, the highs, the lows, trying to be a parent from the outside looking in, it was okay. Um, we were moving constantly. My family knew that there was a problem um, and everyone around me was telling me, you need to get sober. You need to get sober. Well, getting sober was not the issue for me. It was dealing with life on life's terms and dealing with um, living in general and learning how to be happy. And I didn't see any hope. There was no light at the end of the tunnel for me. It was just like I'd accepted that this was my life and that nothing would ever change. And there was a period um, from about 2015 to 2018, where I hit my rock bottom. And when I say I hit my rock bottom, I mean, I lost all three of my children. Um, I was living in a camper. I was cooking food off the ground. I had a suicide attempt that landed me on the steps of White County Hospital. And um, when I woke up, I was completely alone. And the only person that I had in my corner that reached out and said, I want to help you was actually somebody who had a significant amount of clean time that I had caused to relapse. Like she had over 10 years and she had gotten back on track and she was there for me. She's still my best friend to this day. And um, she told me about this program and it was called Recovery Through Christ. 
and it was a long-term faith-based program. And I remember very vividly the day that I went in for my interview. It was a Wednesday night. I had to go to the church service and um, I was sitting on the back row and a woman, I'm going to cry when I talk about it because it's so precious. There was a woman that um, did a sign language song to the song, uh, My Redeemer Lives. And it was at that moment that I got the goosebumps, all the feels. And for the first time in my life, I knew I was exactly where I was supposed to be. I didn't know what was happening inside of me, but I knew that something was different and something was changing. And so it was two days later um, before I could go and actually turn myself into the program. And I did like most people do in their addiction. It was like, well, I've got to get high before I go in because this is the last time I've got to get high, just that fear. And so the day that I went there and um, I had, you know, paraphernalia and things in my pocket and something stopped me at that door and was like, you are not stepping foot in this door with that in your pocket. If you're going to surrender, you're going to surrender all and you're going to do it the right way. Like an audible voice. There was no denying it. And so I turned around and I did. I, I gave up everything in my pockets and I was like, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it the right way. And for a period of the next four to six months, God started working in my life in a way that I cannot explain. Um, Psalms 51 is the best way that I can explain it. I mean, he created a new heart in me. I got a new mind. I got a new spirit. I did not think the same. I did not look the same. I did not act the same. Um, I was no longer on my psychiatric medications. Um, I just, I fell in love with Jesus. I got a personal, intimate relationship with Jesus. I knew who he was through his word. And I started believing the things that he could do for me. And so that's when my Godfidence started coming in about that six month period. It was like that I can't, but God can attitude that I had to walk it out, you know, every single day. And so um, four months in when I left there, I had a plan in place that I was going to go somewhere every night of the week. I had Bible study on Monday night. I had a CR group on Tuesday night, church on Wednesday night, uh, Chrissy's house of recovery on Thursday night. I had uh, usually an event on Friday, Saturday. I rested and Sunday church twice. And I did that for a solid year straight. And so when I got to that first year, I got scared because I was like, oh, I did it. I hit my first goal. I got one year clean and sober. And then I was like, is this really going to be my lifestyle? You know, I started second guessing myself and I knew that God had a plan and purpose for me, but I wasn't working. I was still staying at home, kind of stuck in that little bubble and that security blanket of recovery and um, like minded people that were on the same journey as me. And so between year one and year two was probably the hardest for me in my walk with God because I had to fully trust him that he was going to do something for me. And I didn't know what that looked like. So I started volunteering at this place um, on Thursday nights, um, the same place that I used to go and get high in in the bathroom when I was trying to change my life but didn't know how. And when I got out, they came back and gave me a leadership position there. And I started um, helping people when they came in. I just started networking and getting to know other programs and then basically became just kind of like their their coordinator for getting people into treatment. And I had a goal that I wanted to be a peer recovery specialist and help other people who were struggling in addiction. I didn't know what that looked like, but you had to have two years to be able to do it. So between year one and year two, just knowing that I could achieve that at two years is what kept me going. And once I hit that two year mark and I did that, um, 
that's when things just started really moving fast. Um, I got a job working for a sheriff's office despite my past. I went in um, to work with a, a police officer to be an overdose responder. They were going to put someone in recovery with a uh, police officer. We were going to go on overdose responses together. They would investigate the, you know, where it came from side, and then I would work with that person and try to get them into treatment. Um, in the rural county that I live in, uh, our overdose numbers had doubled. And so to be there for that person that, you know, was no one was there for me in my darkest moment when I woke up in that hospital all alone. And so for me to be that person that wasn't there for me, um, it just gave me so much joy. And so now we've grown past that to we run a whole jail program now. Um, we've had 25 graduates over the last year. It's a year-long jail program where they come in and spend four months with us here in the jail. They do probably 15 hours a week of class. Then we transition them into other um, programs across the state and walk with them through that first year in recovery. And seeing doing this now for two years, I'll have five years in recovery in August and doing this for two years and seeing people that have you know, graduated our program and have now gone on and are working in different programs and mentoring other people that are coming along. It's just, it's amazing to me. And I know that God is in the details in every single story here. Um, I've had some amazing moments where family members that we've been connected some way somehow have actually come through the program. And um, I've been able, you know, to, to just see God uh, work so much in other people's lives and and it's just softened my heart so much and so I never thought possible um, especially being five years in where I am now I'm a homeowner I'm not living in a camper anymore you know I live in a, a home and I have insurance and benefits and credit score and I didn't know how to do any any of that but you know God placed people in my life to help me with that so in just five years from where I was just spiritually depleted and bankrupt and with no purpose or want will to want to live anymore to where I am today. And, and life is just so beautiful and so wonderful. And I have joy and peace for the first time ever is just, it's everything to me. So couldn't have done it without Jesus in my life. And it was the last thing I tried. And the first thing that worked ironically is what I tell people sometime, like you could not have talked to me about it before, but it was just, you know, that right integral moment. And the, it's just a beautiful thing. So you said that your, you and your husband have been together for a lot of time. So what did that look like for mm. his, if, if you don't mind me asking? So when I went to my program, I went with the intent that my marriage was over. Like there was no reconciling. There was a lot of hurt there that we had both caused each other. Um, and so I did not have any hope really in restoring that but God had different plans and so like I said four months into it he had my children at the time and um, he had come to church one day and brought the kids to church and he was high and sat on the front row of the church and we all laid hands on him and prayed on him and it was three days later that I got the phone call that he said I just I cannot do this anymore you're gonna have to come home and take care of the kids and um, I I knew that he was going to go to a program. He had everything set up for me. But when I got home, he decided he wasn't going to the program. And I said, okay, here's the deal. I know where I'm going every night of the week. You're either doing this with me or, you know, you're, you're out of here. Like, and 
that year of him getting up and going with me every day and me having to run people off that were coming and knocking on the door with brooms, literally like coming and switching phone numbers and everything. Um, we both healed um, just miraculous healing from that. We don't hold grudges against our past anymore. It's like we re covenanted our relationship and move forward in a fresh relationship. Um, the last five years of my marriage have been the, a beauty, I, I couldn't describe it. Like it's the perfect marriage almost. <laughs> it's just great. So, I mean, we argue, we fight like other people do, but not like the, not like we used to. We don't get frying pans out anymore or anything like that. So, <laughs> One of the things I did um, that I had to come to terms with and realize was that I kept asking God to change everyone around me. And so I started keeping this prayer, prayer journal and I still have it. And I started asking God to change me. God changed me, changed my heart, changed the way I act, changed the way I think, changed the way I react. Please just. And that's when I started seeing true change. I mean, in the both of us, I don't know what he did. I didn't ask him what he did on his part, but I know what I did. So. <laughs> So one of the things that, um, you know, I still have to put my faith and trust in God in is the restoration with my children. I caused them a lot of trauma and a lot of pain. And they're at a point in their life right now where, you know, they're going to have to heal from that. And I'm not the person that they're going to be able to go to to heal from that. And they're older. Um, and so I'm relying on other people, you know, and I'm praying for for God to put people in their life, too, that can help them and walk them through the journey so they don't have to um suffer like I did but if it does take you know some hard times for them to come to that realization and get into relationship then I'm ready for that but you know it's been five years and God's still working on that and I still have to allow him to do that so my name is Crystal and that was my story thank you for listening to Jesus stories Revelation 12.11 tells us that we overcome the enemy by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. If the Holy Spirit used this testimony to speak to you today, we want to hear about it. If you love the show, make sure to give us a rating, like, comment, and share to help people find God's healing power through the testimony of others. If you're new in your walk with Jesus or haven't even started yet, we have resources for you. Find all contact information and resources in the show notes. Blessings to you, friend, and we will see you next week. Jesus Stories is a ministry of Hidden Gems. If you would like to learn more about Hidden Gems, find the website link and other important information in the show notes.